You're listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we firmly believe that love is the answer and we are spreading it like wildfire. You're invited to come spend time with us in authentic connection, growth, reflection, and celebration. Life coach, author, and speaker, Abigail Gazda, will be sharing amazing humans living their hearts unleashed to inspire you to do the same. You will hear from men, women, and young people from all industries sharing their insights and inspiration as they have paved their way to their fullest lives. Here at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, we are turning dreamers into doers. So if you are ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Welcome. You are listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am so excited to have today's guest with us. Heath Cummings is the host of the Live This Life podcast. I was so lucky to be a guest on it just a few weeks back. Uh, What month was that? May? May? April? I think it was April. Late April. April, yes. And so um, be sure to head over. Do you know what number episode that is on your podcast? I believe it's 29, 28 or 29. Ooh, good number. So 28 or 29, and you should just go ahead to livethislife.org and check out all of his episodes available on iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio and all the places you can find them. But Heath is a, a dear friend who I have gotten to know through our podcasting experience together. And the more that I found out about him, he shares that he was an officer, a police officer at age 19, but increasingly getting further and further away from his true self. Uh, I remember sharing that about my own story about divorce is like over time, we get into situations where we just kind of morph away from who we know ourselves to be. And so over time, he's going to share more of his story with us, but he decided to walk away from the force and actually transition his life into enhancing the lives of others, uh, starting this podcast and becoming a life coach and an elected politician. And so just thank you so much for being here, Heath. It's I'm so excited to share your unleashed heart. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I think this is uh it's going to be an awesome part 2 of our conversation from my podcast when you were on there and I've been excited to do this one. It's uh it seems like we've got a, a very similar story, so I think a lot of people would be attracted to your story. It's got a lot of parallels. My story's got a lot of parallels to yours, so um I think it's a good one. Yeah, well please start by telling us your story cuz I think it's fascinating and I think it's very very relevant and relatable. So please it's a story of resilience, I'll tell you that much. I mean, pretty much all of our lives, every single person listening to this has a story of resilience, um, whether you realize it or not. I mean, even if you don't feel like you've had that rough of a road, every single person, no matter how rough your road has been, has been through some sort of a death and rebirth process. From the time you came onto this planet, you were ripped out of a very comfortable world where you were taken care of. Everything may have been dark, but it was warm and you were coddled and comforted. And next thing you know, you are brought into this world kicking and screaming and you're fortunate enough to be here now through it. And that just right there is your first experience with resilience because I can't imagine, but luckily not many of us remember, I don't think anybody does except for maybe a gifted few remember that process, but I don't think any of us want to. But (laughs) the, the thing is, is with most of our traumas and things that we go through, whether it's a trauma or not, just circumstances in life, we build resilience for future events. And, you know, luckily we um, we have the ability to recall and learn from those events. And it just keeps on building our resilience. As we get older, we just get better and better at dealing with 
the challenges that life throws at us. Yeah. I'm sure many people can relate to that right now because I'm sure this is an unprecedented time that all of us are living through, but especially some of those who had never really been through some hard, hard stuff like this are trying right. to find their way. Well, it's interesting you say that because we're beginning to wrap the mortality series and, and we included this episode in it because you're talking about resilience. And just on Monday, we talked about the Phoenix effect and what truly reinvention or recreation that that new life from death or ego death is like. And so tell us a little bit more about some ego deaths that you have gone through. I've gone through a lot of them. I mean, I've gone through, I'm going through one, I think even right now where um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to force the, some growth in life. And I'm wondering, why isn't this happening faster? And it's the ego that does that. It's the ego that pushes that, you know, instead of letting it happen in divine timing. But, you know, with that, that Phoenix effect where, um, uh, several of them that I've been through, I mean, maybe I should start from just a quick beginning to, to paint the picture where I'm coming from, because totally. there's quite a few of those Phoenix stories along the way. So, um, you know, my story, I come from rural Western Massachusetts, the area known as not Boston. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I had a, a decent childhood. My, I was a, um, only child of a single mother, a single mother, and she worked a lot. She had to work a ton. And I think that built a lot of my resilience, I had to take care of myself at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, from, from some hard times I came out of that experience with, certain men that came in and out of our lives. And every once in a while, there'd be some violent streaks after maybe a few years of things. And I think a lot of my uh, inner abilities to want to be a protector and the abilities that I have as being a protector came from those early days of wanting to provide safety at home. Mm-hmm. And I basically think that my my desire to want to become a police officer came from all that stuff. Um, and the... Uh, the experiences that I had from from childhood really carried over. I, I wanted to be a protector of the kids that were bullied. I wanted to be a protector of um, the people who I felt didn't have a voice for themselves. And I feel like I did that up through my law enforcement career and even to this day as a politician. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, through my childhood, I, I, I came up and as a teenager, I was kind of a little bit of a hellraiser, which was kind of funny when I put on a uniform and some of the people who knew me as a kid um, saw me for the first time like, you're, you're in a uniform? Yeah, 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 I am. <laughs> um, but I mean, I did so bad in high school. I failed out of sports early on. And um, luckily, I got out of that way of life at a certain point when some of the people I ran with got in a lot of trouble. And I shifted back to my friends that were more like jocks and they were all into academics. It got me in the straight and narrow. And I did really good with football through many years. Um, unfortunately, injuries kept me out of going further. But I jumped into law enforcement right away. Somebody planted that seed in my senior year of like, hey, maybe you should be a cop. I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, I tested it out and I loved it. And I I started doing it at 19 years old um, by by like age 20. Pause right there, because that is just fascinating. Like, you know, when I think of a 19 year old and just graduating high school, it's like, where do you want to go to college? What are you going to do? And like you're in uniform. It's like, here's your diploma yeah. and your uniform. <laughs> and so it was I actually just, faster than that. Yeah. It was, it was so t- how does that. that happen? Like, honestly, how does that happen? That was back in 99. So, I mean, it was a different world then than it is now. I mean, everything post 9-11, my whole career was like a post 9-11 learning process. There was a okay. pre, pre 9-11 world and post 9-11, it's all changed. But um, back then I happened to know the former chief of police from the town that I lived in and the town, same town I worked in for 17 years. 
Um, and you know, there was just a, a lot of political connections, but I graduated high school six months early. I grounded out so much of my academics that halfway through my senior year, I was out. And two weeks after I was done with my high school stuff, I was in a police academy and I actually graduated from police academy like three or four weeks before my high school graduation. So I left there, this kid with a goatee and an earring in my ear, and I come back and I've just got the high and tight haircut and I'm walking straight up and it was like a different person when I got to the, my high school graduation. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was an experience, you know, most everybody's going through college and having their drinking parties. And here I was 19 years old, breaking those parties. Up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and talk about a Phoenix situation to just like, you know, um, something that I've been sharing through this mortality series is to die of yourself, to let these identities go that they you are not who you've created yourself to be and you can shift that at any time and so it's just like you're just you're just laying it on thick about that that's so possible and you can make such a quick pivot because i think that people are convinced this takes years and decades and struggle and like no you can let things go and you can grab onto new things very quickly so go ahead keep telling but i'm just you know it's just fascinating <laughs> Yeah, the um, the the thing is, is like with that turnaround and that change in your persona, I feel like that quick process that happened because I never really had it in my mind to do that as a career path. And I was a very like fun loving guy, the guy that I've kind of re became in the past couple of years since I walked away. And I think because it went so fast and I was pulled into that world so quickly and then I excelled so quickly that I didn't really have the opportunity to think of like, how am I going to grow into this role and still maintain me? And I got away from the who I was in the very beginning. And then that caused discord so many years later. And then I just had to find, it took me years to try and get back to that person that I should have been all along. You can, I'm not saying like law enforcement completely changes you for the bad. For some people, it does a great job of teaching discipline. You can still be your own person without becoming like a really like hardcore person who's always harping on people. Like there's a lot of great men and women in law enforcement. I was not one of them in the beginning. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I took it. I took it way too seriously and I got into a lot of stuff. Um, and it completely changed me. Like I said, I came back to that high school graduation. I wasn't the same guy. And I don't think it should do that to anybody. Yeah. Um, and I actually recently just saw a young person who was a son of a of a friend of mine. And uh, he just came back from police academy. And he not even smiling in one in one picture. And I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. So. Well, I, you know, I think that's a great, I would love for you to speak into the way that, because that can, any career can do that to anyone. Absolutely. And so speak into that a little bit, because I'm sure that there are people listening in who aren't on the back end like you are. They're in the middle of it and they're not feeling like themselves or they've transitioned away from what they know that they know. What would you like to say to someone in that position? It takes daily reflection of the things that you see on a day-to-day -day basis. What did I do today that wasn't true to me? Because it's so hard in the moments where things are happening, especially when you have conflicts with certain people in the workplace, you'll go through it and you'll walk away from it and just be like, oh, why did that have to happen? And I actually just had one of those last week. And in the moment, I mean, I handled it a lot better now than the Heath of five years ago would have. I mean, I would have tore into that person and it would just be a rocky road. But you you really critique your daily performance. You know, journaling is so important. I've learned the power of that in the last few years. 
and keeping journals for everything, not mixing them up, but like I even have like a dream journal and then I have like a podcast idea journal that I, I jot things down into. Um, and then also personal critiques where I feel like if you reflect on the things that you could have done during your day, it almost helps you carry those over to the next day. Just like if you, in your dream journals, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't write down that dream that you just had and you're like, oh, I'll remember that in the morning. That was a pretty cool dream. You will have no idea what it was you were going to write down. Right. Same thing as if you skip journaling at the end of your day, some of the most successful people I know journal at the end of their days. And it's just for that purpose because it helps them solidify what they learn and the progress happens so much faster. Yes. Once I learned that secret, I have watched a monumental change in the way that I approach day-to-day challenges and how much growth I make. Like it just speeds up faster. The rate of attrition is just unbelievable week after week after week when you start the process. So that's probably the number one piece of advice that I can give everybody. The other one is just be patient with yourself. You're growing, just be patient with yourself because it takes time. It can take years. And some of my story that I'll share it, it, it took years, but there was a lot of periods of really expedited growth. Most of that extra expedited growth came through very fast but painful growth periods. You can learn through a much easier process. It takes a little bit longer, but that you can avoid the painful part. The pain usually kind of expedites it all, and the long, patient road is usually the better one. I love what you're sharing. Um... And also, you know, th- I'm so glad you just advocated journaling or endorsed journaling <laughs> because, man, I talk about it with the with these groups all the time. And uh, four to five journals, you're right, because like I have, I'm the same exact way. Like, there's a different journal that I write in at night than I do in the morning. Or uh, specifically, I have a what I call what's so journal listing what happened in the day. And so there's yeah, just a lot of different strategies to it, but it's important nonetheless. So thank you. And then being being patient with yourself so much. Yes. And for me, I'll even tack on being kind, patient and kind, because yes. you're right about it gets uncomfortable. It gets messy. You have to look at stuff you, you don't want to look at. And then as far as that acceleration and whatnot, like, yeah, you could just go through life, but I know you're a coach and I, I, I like to also bring that coaching aspect in, like getting, whether it be therapy or coaching or consulting, what, wherever someone is and what would be important for them in that moment is just so valuable because, you know, we try to figure it out and we think we have to figure it out alone mm-hmm. and it takes, it's a longer road and it's more mysterious. And then it causes self-doubt and questioning. And so like, just love these tips and love where you're going. And so who has helped you? Who has been a mentor or support structure in your life that's helped you move through these processes? Everybody. I mean, I really don't have one singular one. Um, You know, I I have to say that my wife is probably one of my biggest mentors because I have watched her and sort of like behind the scenes coached her. She was a very vulnerable person when I got together with her, Um, came from a sort of a very controlling and and, um, difficult home life. And along the way, I'm like, you need to stand up for yourself much more. You know, you got to stand up. And, you know, now nowadays she just stands up for herself and gives it to me whenever I deserve to to have something going my way. And, you know, she really has shown me how much change someone can have. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her. So, um, you know, first and foremost, we've been together 19 years and, you know, she's really um, stuck it through. God bless her because it's been a rough road at some point. Um, you know, more recently, a couple of, of bigger names have been uh, Princeton Clark. He's been 
um, one of my mentors. He's a he's a very motivational uh, life coach, amazing guy, part of Evolve Mastery. Uh, he works with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi now. So um, he like literally works with them in their Arizona studios on their mastermind platforms. But um, him and then uh, Brandon Beecham from the Positive Head Podcast, he's really been a huge part of teaching me a lot of different things, uh, more on the spiritual side, I'd say. But there's been so many influential people along the way, really every single, um, you know, crooked politician or administrator that I've come across, every bad drill sergeant or boss that I've ever had, they've all equally taught me on how not to do things um, and setting an example of that I don't want to follow. So, I mean, just everybody along the way, they, they all have. Yeah, I love it. And so how do you make that transition? What happened for you that really had you transition from, like you've kind of mentioned, tough cop, business guy, feeling indestructible, really, like really Adam. And like what I'm really present to it, saying all of that is like really in the masculine energy, right? The aggressive mm-hmm. masculine over what switched you into life coach and podcast host and politician because that's an interesting transition too so i would love to hear how that's evolved so it's to to go back to sort of the professional world at age about age 23 24 i hit a really rocky road and i stood up for the first time against some really uh crooked and um deceitful administrators in law enforcement world and at a 23 year old kid i mean i had no nothing to stand on not much of a career um, but I stood my ground and I stood up for some people and it made a target out of me. And to not go down that road too much, I stood up, I fought the fight and I won. And some of those people were held accountable, which I was shocked by. I became the black sheep while it was happening. I was the, you know, the, the black sheep in the law enforcement world. But as soon as I was, I was done and over with, I was everybody's hero because I took down these people everybody wanted to see taken down. So, but from there, it's not like I returned back to that career path with fanfare. Like, oh yeah, you know, you did your thing and you know, you're the hero. I was kind of disgusted by what I witnessed and how I had my back. People turned the back on me so fast because I stood up and voiced something. Um, so I went in the private sector. I took my skills and I went in the private sector. I remained a police officer in my hometown and I worked there part time uh, on the side of my full time career through many, many years. Just left a few years ago. Um, but I went into the private industry and actually became a director for museum securities um, and uh, uh protection, art protection, art crime, and all that kind of stuff. And I actually worked on some high-profile art crime cases with the FBI. I worked on one years ago, um, still all over the news. It was in the Chicago Tribune, Miami Herald, and all that kind of stuff. If you Google my name in the art crime, it comes up with a pretty cool story that I worked on. Um, But it was, I became one of the top people in the nation for that field. Um, I was hired by colleges to come there and straighten out their programs and help them protect their collections and develop plans on how to transport their $10 Monet to Paris and all that kind of funky stuff. So um, it was great, but it was work, work, work. And I have a son and a wife at home and it, it, they became second banana in life. Really, they, they became a second priority to that guy. Um, in the midst of all that, I had my first case of cancer at age 26. And you'd think that would chill someone out a little bit. You'd think that would make them be like, okay, you're mortal. You got to chill out, dude. It didn't. It, I beat it and I went through it. And that just ramped the ego up more like cancer couldn't even stop me. <laughs> through all those years, even from the time I was 14 years old, I was a boxer as well. So then I got, I was pretty heavy into boxing at that time. Um, it just made me even more angry, more resentful. And I got more of that masculine energy just getting in there and taking that anger that, you know, I had to get it out. And, um, I ended up coming down with cancer again at age 30. 
And it was that time period where I went through like the dark night of the soul. It changed me because after that, I went through emotional issues and health issues that led to a separation from my wife. And it was like, first I had the cancer and it really wasn't that big of a wake up call. But then mortality did set in. But then when she was going to walk away about a year after my cancer, because I just become unbearable, like beyond the worst that I was before it, that woke me up. Like, what am I doing? What have I become? And that's what shifted everything in my life. And I resolved to change despite whatever was going to happen between me and her, because it was pretty much over. And then I changed everything. She saw what she, she liked what she saw. It took a while to to really prove myself. And it wasn't, that wasn't my motivation, but I got back there. So um, really, that was one of the hugest turning points in my life was that, that cancer and near breakup situation that I need to change everything about who I am. I changed all of the things I was doing in my world, shifted everything, was home much more. Um, but eventually that whole police security law enforcement atmosphere just had, I dove deep into spirituality right around that time too, because I didn't have so much of a professional identity to go with anymore. And so many people, and I'm one of them, identified with that professional identity. You know, if I didn't have that, who was I? And I mean, it happens to so many people on the professional level. It happens to even um, you know, women who are stay-at-home moms. They take care of their kids and the kids move out and then they find themselves like, what do I do now? And I was kind of in that same boat. It happens to so many people, midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. But you get to the point where you're like, okay, who am I? Because this part of something I, I identified with is now gone. And I refound that, but I tried to do it through spirituality at first. And that led to religion. And I didn't jive with really like any religion I tried to look into. So huge spiritual path. Years later, I've I've come across all these amazing people in the world of self-development and come across a lot of concepts, law of attraction stuff. And, um, you know, so many different rabbit holes that I've gone down and everything has just fascinated me. So it's it's led to this new passion and it's led to me wanting to help other people go down the road that I have, that you can be so lost. You can be on the brink of death. You can be like the physical death. You can be on the brink of breakup. You can be on the brink of going broke, whatever it is. As long as you put the brakes on and say from this point on, I'm I'm moving forward. I'm going to be something different. There's nothing that can get in your way and stop you. You just have to be dedicated to it. Mm, I love that. And, you know, Something that I heard you say about even attempting to go back or like consider who you were before, it just all of a sudden when you have some of those breakthroughs or those awakenings, it's like literally incompatible. You can't, there's no going back to those old identities or mm-hmm. or what or careers and whatever. And so it's really fascinating because I think that people feel it, but without being told that that's what's happening is like, you know, you can't go back. It's time to only go forward mm-hmm. is they're They're trying to round peg square hole it. And they're like, this doesn't work either. And so how can someone, cause you, you, you did explain like you, you then chose to dove into religion. You chose to dove into your spirituality and what is more available to life. So how can mm-hmm. someone do this Phoenix thing? Like, rise up from who they are no longer and recreate themselves. What are, where can they start? What can they do? 
the best piece of advice that I got that led to where I started to go down because I had no intentions of like leaving law enforcement and becoming a life coach, you know, and I still have another professional career on the side as my full-time gig, but this other stuff is more of the road that I'm heading into after you know, I call my second career is the one that pays the bills. This third one that I have going with the, everything with the podcast, it's only six, seven months old at this time right now yeah. in the, uh, May of 2020. But the best piece of advice that I got was what would you do for a career if you weren't going to get paid for it? Yes. And most podcasters know, unless you're doing some different type of stuff, it doesn't pay the bill. So it was, if I can just help one person change their life and go from that anxious, I don't know who I am, depressive kind of state, especially those people who are high functioning hustlers, go-getters, you need a purpose. And those are the people I think that get affected by the lack of purpose the most. Your purpose can be whatever it is. And if there's something that's your passion, something you would do if you weren't getting paid for it, what would it be? And most of the time when you answer that question, you can find a way. And sometimes it does take the help of some sort of a coach. I really found that it it did for me as well. Um, It took a lot to drag it out of me. I had little ideas. How do you funnel that into some sort of an actual functioning career or um, a hobby that can take shape and definition? Um, I felt like that was the best piece of advice was what would you do if you weren't getting paid for it? Yep. And I I like that because what I like to extend that with into with my clients is what would it look like to get paid to be you? Exactly. And they're like, well, I don't know who I am. I don't know. Right. (laughs) And so much of the coaching is answering some of those questions. So it's, what a great piece of advice. And, um, and so what do you see for your future? What are you creating now? What's this next Phoenix effect? I honestly don't know. Um, I think when you and I talked on our on our uh, on my podcast with you, it was you know I'd be I open up to every possibility that will show up because if you told me a year ago even that I was going to have the podcast with the success that I have now, only like thirty two thirty one episodes in, but thousands and thousands of followers and downloads already. I mean, I did it on a whim. My, you know, one of my mentors told me, "Hey, you should start a podcast. You got a great story." And I'm just kind of like, mm, I don't know. But the fact that the reason why I started it was because it terrified me. I'm like, I hate the sound of my voice. I don't have that good of a story. People have way better stories than me, and that's not what it's about. Everybody's story is unique to themselves, and no one's story is more tragic or triumphant than the next. It is what it is. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to start one. I'll do a few episodes and just say, hey, guess what? I had a podcast one day and then I do it and it's caught fire. And now I have sponsors like Adidas and I actually have another one coming up that has something to do with the Phoenix. Like you rise and head up in the direction if that's what you choose to do. And it's like sitting in a mud puddle when you fall down, you have to get up. And, you know, sometimes you slip and fall back down. If you stay there, you're guaranteed you're going to stay cold. You're going to stay dirty. Um but you've got to get up. Eventually, you got to get up. Sometimes you got to crawl your way out of it whenever any one of us get down. It's like that analogy that holds true. I love it. And I love what you're creating. And I also love the, you know, the impact. I love the podcast. I loved being on the podcast. And so one of my favorite questions that I ask every guest is, what would it look like for you to be living your heart unleashed? That picture starting to unfold. Um, I think just opening yourself up to the possibilities of what can come to you in life, being authentic. And authenticity has been one of the hardest things for me. And I think that is, my heart isn't fully unleashed yet. The flower hasn't fully unfolded because there's even a lot of people on my personal profiles and social media and stuff. I don't promote the podcast on. It's been a long growth process because 
I know a lot of the positivity and stuff that I promote, a lot of the different concepts I talk about with spirituality, metaphysics, even down to the quantum physics stuff that I totally get super deep in and people just go cross-eyed when I talk about it. But people are going to look at that and be like, who is this guy? And it took me the last six months or so to get over that, what are people going to say kind of thing. Um, so being unleashed is full authenticity being unleashed. That's that's really what it is for me. And I'm still transitioning into that. It's going to be another, I'm right on the edge. I'm right on the, the edge of it. If it hadn't been such a huge, busy set of days, I had a big promotion I was going to put out on my own personal page and stuff. But um, yeah, it's authenticity. Well, I think key. Let's do some unleashing right now. We had a little bit of a jam session on your podcast. You let me just rap about my spiritual, where I'm at spiritually. And so I'd love to open that door for you and just say like, where are you at? What are your beliefs? What do you, what message you want to spread? Good question. Very good question. And I love this one because I love diving into it. I guess the biggest thing is I just don't like the God word, the G word G, because it just, it, it paints a certain picture that I think so many of us have a, a fixed dichotomy on. And I totally don't want to offend anybody if you are a religious person and that's your thing and you totally resonate with it, totally not going down that road. But for me, it just, it painted a picture of limitation and it was a it was almost like a deity that we had to uh, wish for forgiveness from from time to time and stuff like that. And, you know, my spirituality doesn't have something that involves that. It involves, I mean, when you think of the grand scale of everything from the micro to the macro, macro being the entire cosmos, the universe, you know, and that that scale in and of itself, when you think of how it's grown over the last several hundred years, I mean, I think more than several hundred years, but we used to be the center of the universe. You know, Earth, Earth was flat at first, and then we were the center of the universe, and then we, you know, discovered the solar system, and then they thought the universe was the Milky Way, and this little cloud off the off in the horizon they call the Andromeda Galaxy or the Andromeda Nebula. They discovered one day it was a galaxy, and then from there, all of our discoveries that have just taken place and shown us how big the universe is. That scientific part has really painted a picture for me of like how huge the oneness, the source universe has to actually be. And then on the other side, the quantum side, it gets so infinitely small that it's just as mind boggling on that side as it is on the universal side, that the smallest length that they have been able to measure is the Planck length. And down at that small scale, it's just vibration. And in comparison, I've talked about this just recently in my podcast, that the Planck length is... Basically, if you took a grain of clay, which is just smaller than a grain of silt, which is just smaller than a grain of sand, the grain of clay, if you blew it up to the size of the universe, the Planck length in comparison would be the size of a grain of clay. And that's mind boggling if you think about it. So basically, the Planck length next to a grain of clay is the size comparison of the universe to the grain of clay. Um, Down there at that scale, everything's vibration. So is your mind. Everything, everything everywhere is basically vibration which goes into the law of attraction. They say what you resist persists. You know, if you ask for something, you'll get it, but it goes deeper than that. You know, if you resonate with something, you will find that it does come to you. There was a certain point in 2018 where I felt completely stuck in that career. I couldn't get out. I didn't want to be in it anymore. And what Brandon Beecham taught me was just let go and love where you're at and then feel it forward. Feel what you want to be, what you want to do, and just get it there as it is what you want to be. Literally, the career, I had three different ideas of what I wanted to do. 
within three weeks, Abigail, of that episode where him and I talked about that stuff, I had three different job offers for the three different jobs that I wanted to pursue. And since then, I have moved into, uh, you know, the, the, the political stuff crossed my path. And people were like, you know, you should do it. You'd be great for the, for the opportunity. It's basically one third of the mayor of our town. And I'm like, I don't care about politics. Again, I did it just because it kind of frightened me. It was something that I wasn't comfortable with doing. So I did it. And, but as soon as I set my mind on it and felt it forward, what it was going to be like, everything has come to me since I've adopted that mindset. So long answer on the spirituality question is I believe that there is a grander source that will give us whatever it is that we're looking for. Sometimes it gives us the things that we need to have to grow through that pain. But I believe also if we are in resonance with the direction that we want to go, it's there to help serve us. It's that, you know, we really are creating our reality um, with the decisions and the choices and the things we choose to observe. Um, and I just believe that there's with the 12 universal laws, I'm about to do an episode on that one because I want to die. I talk about it a lot and I never set the premise for what those 12 universal laws are. But some of them, you know, law of attraction, correspondence, and all those things that go along with those, I believe that really governs what our our existence, our reality really is all about. Yes, I love it. It was fun to watch you nerd out. (laughs) 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 Talk about sizes and universes. It was great. Oh, man. And there's so, like, you almost need to, like, rewind that to just listen again because there's gem after gem after gem. And there's a lot available inside of, like, just all of it and seeing all of it unified and all and how it impacts each other and the and the intricacies of everything but something that you said especially with what we've been talking about today around the phoenix effect and resilience and and coming back and rising up and that natural evolution because i think that people get confused you know the oh you aren't the same or you've changed or you know whatever people have to say about the way we grow is that's the point. Mm-hmm. Growth, evolution, transformation is the point. We're not supposed to be the same. And you said specifically resonance with the direction that you want to go. I think that if people can understand and prioritize being able to visualize and use their mind's eye to see and to vibrate at another point in life that they're not in in the moment because like you were saying brandon i think is the your mentor that said yeah. it's like let go let go of the circumstance you're in and quit spend any time quit spending any time resisting it hating it trying to manipulate fix or change it because the more you vibrate at a frequency a low frequency hatred or manipulation or doubt or fear or whatever. And it's not going to take you where you're going. Uh And so I love the way you said resonate with where you want to be because it's going to just right out of the circumstance and right closer. It's going to start dropping breadcrumbs that are going to remove you from the circumstance that you're resisting currently. Ah, so good. So good. I mean, I've got so many examples of that just recently with the pandemic and everything. And, you know, I got into a very inquisitive. I love investigating stuff. That's my nature. Um, and I've, of course, been looking into every what if that's been out there about this stuff. You know, is this a conspiracy? Is this start here? Did it end here? Where's it going? All this stuff. And I would just get into these like Facebook. Anytime somebody would put something up on Facebook <laughs> about it, I would be like, let me tell you this. Here's where it started. You know, and I get into it. 
And it was nothing but focusing on those conspiracy theories and those aspects of, which is healthy. It's healthy to question, but it got to an unhealthy point where I elicited this response from somebody who isn't a coworker so much and they don't report to me, but I'm pretty high ranking in the organization I work in. And they just came at me like just yelling and and just really irrational. And after it was over, I handled it really well. I'm used to that kind of stuff and didn't feed into it. And it was over pretty quick. But then I sat back and I always look at those circumstances and say, how did I bring that to myself? If you bring to you what you, you know, the experiences that you experience, if you bring those to you, what did I do to bring that one in? And I brought a very agitated, fearful, unhappy person because that was my focus. Mm -hmm. Literally the next day, I I recorded an episode the next day, I vowed to change my focus and my perception. Amen. The the days after that, I had several so amazing high vibe conversations about consciousness and all that other stuff. It was like I was completely off the rails of everything that has to do with live this life. And then I went back on the rails and it was one of the most amazing three or four days possible. And it's just what more proof do you need? You hit the light switch, it comes on. Okay, that's what happens. You know, like you focus on things that are the negative or it doesn't matter what you speak of or what you say. It's the smallest little things will affect your life. So you got to be careful with every word, every thought, everything. Yes. And you were saying how they're all frequencies and it's so important because you do source everything in your life. And uh, I say it in my book and I say it a lot, it's just like you life doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. And so the, your way of being will manifest, will produce the results that you're seeing. And one of my favorite uh, colleagues, Kayla Jetta, she has an episode as well. And she's like, um, she said, oh, how did I source this? She's so upbeat and she's so pleasant. So she's like, oh, I sourced this. How did I create such a situation that I, that's now going to teach me a new lesson? And I'm like, oh my God, you're so much more positive about it. Because I would always start to beat myself up. Like, why am I in this situation? How could I create this? You know, but it is always an opportunity to look again and look again and look again at the way that we're being and decide truly, is this how we want to show up? Or are we willing to let that version of us go so we can rise up into something new? So I love the way that you've shared, the way that you've been rising up constantly, that you will constantly continue to rise up because um, I think it's the greatest compliment you can get is like, you know, Heath, man, I've been watching you since the day you started. You're just not the same. And it's so cool to see you. You said something and now you're doing it. And that's what, how I experience you. And it's really brilliant because it's the best way to lead, you know, not that there is a right or a wrong way about it, but you are your word and it's really brilliant and it's really fun to watch. And it's really inspiring to have other people unleashing their heart. And so that's exactly why I've loved having you on the episode or on the podcast is to continue to inspire others. So what would you love to leave our listeners with? The favorite analogy that our lives are like a book. And most of us, before we consciously awaken, are just literally a character in the book of our lives. We're just kind of going day to day, page by page, and whatever happens is just, we're just that character and someone else is sort of writing the story for us and we're just taking what comes along. And when most of us consciously awaken, we start to read that book. We read the backstory and we kind of see like, this is what the character has been through and this is sort of what's defined me. But then when you really grab the power behind your life is when you realize that you're the author of that book. 
and you pick up the pen, you have those blank pages in front of you, and every single day, including today, is a page that you are going to write in that book. Yeah. And there's nothing. It doesn't matter what the story was before. It could have been a horror story before today, <laughs> and it can literally be the most triumphant story at the end. And when I awoke into that, and every single person I tell that analogy to, I tell them, make your mission to be to make it the best book possible. And anyone who reads that book, when they put it down, they say that was a damn good book. Good. Thank you so much for that. I had to use that one because of you and all your writing and everything. I had to use that one. I don't know if you, but that's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, you know, you spoke right into my heart because I love letting people know they are the author of their story and then they can literally be an author too. So that's yeah. really fun. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your Unleashed Heart. Thank you for being the author of your story. It's a fabulous story and I thank can't you. wait to read more of it. I'm so glad that you came and joined us on the Hearts Unleashed podcast. How can we follow you writing your book? So you can find me at the Live This Life podcast, which is like everywhere, whatever major platform you listen to, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, Google Play, all that stuff. Um, You can find me on social media. On Instagram, it's the Live This Life podcast. And then on Facebook, it's just Live This Life. Um, And you can find me at livethislife.org. The uh, you can contact me through any one of those ways, and um, social media is probably some of the best ways. But um, you can also email me at connect at livethislife.org. I feature stories on the Finding Life series of people who have gone through some really rough times. That's a series that I featured your story on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the stories where people have had that Phoenix effect where they rise from the ashes. Um, so I've had a lot of people reach out to me. of getting on to the Finding Life series and stuff. So yeah. um, that's what and you get. so they can reach you. If they wanted to share that, it'd be on the connect at livethislife.com. Uh, livethislife.org, yep. Okay, perfect. And then you've mentioned that you're a life coach and that you're doing that. What? Who's your ideal client and how do you work with people? I don't really solicit it much at all. I'm a very busy person. Uh, I love working with clients. It's kind of uh, it's a great side effect to the podcast. Um, yeah. And I, I, my purpose of my podcast is to get out there and reach people on a grander scale. And if I do coach people, it's at a very reasonable rate, just enough to compensate my time. You know, a lot of life coaches charge a ton of of cash for some services, and um, I'm just looking for the regular person who's looking to make some major changes in their life, whether it's mm. a Going session. Going through the Phoenix effect. <laughs> yeah, and if, if it's just a session, five sessions, or it turns into something where it lasts a long time. Um, weekly check-ins is usually it with goals that outline, you know, what you're going to do between now and next week, because it helps keep you honest. You got a personal trainer and they're in there making sure you get all those reps. And when you're in the gym, Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing when you're trying to move spiritually, professionally, whatever it is. So, um, my ideal clients are just people who are looking to just, they're stagnant or they want to make a major change. If it's just small, getting through the stagnation or making a major life shift problem with relationships, um, especially even men, letting them overcome where, you know, they might find themselves where I had been at one point where the relationships are yeah. falling apart because of the man they were. So yeah. um, w- women as well. I mean, I've talked to a lot of women uh, about spirituality and maybe even places they can have their husbands go to given the little de- gentle nudges. So it's kind of, it's, <laughs> it's for everybody. Beautiful. I love it. Well, good. And so if they wanted to connect you with that, uh, also connect at livethislife.org would be appropriate. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you got exactly what you need from Heath and I's conversation. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers.
Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you loved the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, head over to heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.